Welcome to the Team Engagement Podcast, where leaders of teams share their insights. We discuss five questions in about 15 minutes, and I'm very excited to welcome our guest today. This is Audrey Taylor. She is the CEO of NetLogics out of Indianapolis, Indiana. Audrey, thank you so much for joining me today. What would you like the audience to know about NetLogics? Thanks for having me today, Sean. NetLogics is a proud nationally certified women's business consulting firm. We help organizations solve complex business challenges and navigate and manage change. We help both public and private sector organizations by providing strategic management consulting services across six pillars, information management, security management, process management, project and program management, organizational change management and performance management. Simply put, we're helping our clients survive and thrive in an ever-changing world. Change is inevitable, so it's really important that you find consultants to work with who can help you make that change work for you. Oh, that's fantastic. And yes, I agree completely. Change is inevitable. So yeah. we have to keep the people around us that can help us do that. That's great. All right. Well, Audrey, let's get started with our questions. The first question as you've been building your business, is there a challenge that you've overcome that you're especially proud of? So from my perspective, I think um, the company evolved, as you mentioned, and I think overall, some of the early relationships who were usually people who were very close to me on a personal level as well as professional sometimes struggled with those changes, particularly as the needed corporate structure was implemented. For me, it was a matter of, first of all, learning to draw boundaries, but then more importantly, finding out how to stick to them. So the particular struggle that I'm thinking about was a person who was a friend outside the office too, and despite the structure we'd put in place, would really continue to find any opportunity to share their ideas and their feedback. And while ideas and feedback are good, this was generally in a less than constructive way of they would do things differently. They would do things better. So for me, what I did was I worked with my coach, first and foremost, to help me recognize this behavior quickly and then develop techniques to learn how to push back. So consistent phrases was something that worked well. So if it was feedback on an HR matter, have you raised it with the person concerned? Have you raised it with HR? Operational changes, have you raised it with the operations team? Have you put your thoughts on paper and shared those through formal channels? Continuing to be consistent in that message was important. And then finally, I think that particular situation resolves itself by that person transitioning from the organization. And I think one of the things I've learned on the struggle with running a business is that transition can sometimes be a very good thing. The organization is watching you sometimes support what can be perceived as bad behavior, allowing exceptions, allowing challenges. And I think that is something that once that transition happens, the organization breathes a sigh of relief and says, no, the structure is what matters. We are aligned to this organization. And I think that's important to remember because transition is hard for everybody. Oh, absolutely. Transition is, is, is some people can manage it up just fine, but you're right. There's always, especially as the group gets larger and larger, there's always going to be that segment or that population that just struggles with it for a variety of reasons. But I love how you've approached that and tackle that. So hats off to you and your team for managing that and handling that growth the way you did. I think that's fantastic. Well, question number two, as a leader, how can you Help your team foster and generate more creativity as a team. 
Um, so for me, the perspective is um, you can ask people to bring them their whole selves to work. Um, it's about valuing the individual. For us, that's important. We we can demonstrate it through the training programs that we offer, but it's also about encouraging the whole person. So encourage people to take their PTO, encourage them to use their volunteer hours to follow those things they're passionate about in their own communities. Our company culture, um, people have a choice about where they go to work. So we think it's important that you can bring your whole self to work. And the way ways we acknowledge that is creative solutions like spot awards. So somebody's done a nice thing for you, be it a client, be it a team member, you can award nominate them for those. We also try to work hard in our virtual world to keep connected. So we have random appreciation lunches. Yes, we're buying your lunch, but we're really encouraging you to take that lunch hour and either connect with somebody on your team on a personal level or connect with somebody outside of your team that you used to work with and you haven't checked in for a while. We um, pride ourselves on being a diverse organization. And for us, diversity means the traditional definitions of diversity. We're proud to be a woman-owned business, but it's also all the other forms of diversity we bring. Um, we bring our age, the way we were brought up, the time we were brought up, where you were brought up. I mean, obviously I'm from England, so that brings my perspective, but people in the South of America have different perspectives than the East or the West. I've learned that over my time here. So really sharing that journey creates better solutions and makes you feel more able to contribute to a conversation. And then finally, we'd like to pride ourselves on listening to our team. We participate and have been very successful in the Best Places to Work award system. And while the award itself is very meaningful, it's really the feedback we get from that. So it helps us retain talent and then listen to what our team are enjoying about the organization what they'd like to see the organization pivot and do differently and it provides us a baseline to rank ourselves against similar organizations and also within our geographic area but outside of our geographic area we have found if we listen to our team and we provide listening opportunities we stand a better chance of retaining talent and once you've been retained you feel more able to be part of the organization and create change going forward. Well, those are some great ideas. I really like what you've done there to all of those. All of those ideas are just fantastic to help foster the creativity and that comfort, if you will, and that safety, the psychological safety that all contributes to people feeling like they can share ideas in a safe place and the diversity and the different perspectives. I love all of that. Those are some great answers. Those need to be reviewed by our viewers and listeners, the audience to uh, go back and pick out some of those things and see if you can implement those ideas in your organization, not uh, referring to the audience here that's listening or watching. All right, question number three, how can leaders help build trust between the team members or the employees? So for us, um... You, you use the word trust. I like the word resilience because I think if you feel safe and secure in your environment, you can really feel able to contribute. So first and foremost, we're a project management office. So lesson one is to use the lessons learned that the Project Management Institute recommend. We conduct that across projects we conduct for our clients, but also company-wide. The reason we do that is you, you celebrate success but you also celebrate failure because from failure is where we learn. And I know that's a hard message to hear sometimes, but it is the truth of that. So in terms of creating trust, we believe in the mentorship program. So we first and foremost, we're a virtual organization. Now we have team members who join across the nation. So 
first day, we assign you just the equivalent of your old cube buddy mentee. So once you go through those onboarding processes, there's a lot to learn. Who do you ask about PTO? Who do you ask about timesheets? There's a lot of small questions that you don't want. We don't want people sitting there anxiously wondering how to do something. So we've set you up with somebody to just bounce those quote unquote silly questions off. But more robustly than that, we have a true mentorship program. Um, so we have different career paths within the company. So we want you to be able to explore those. We want you to be able to learn more about them. So we set you up with a mentor. And over the years we've had that program, it really is true, the old adage that the mentors gain more than the mentees. And I want to point out that, especially over the last three or four years, we have really noticed that mentoring isn't an age component. The person being mentored doesn't have to be the younger person in that conversation. Our younger team members are sometimes more comfortable in this virtual world than we are. So we've had the reverse roles. We've changed those dynamics amongst ourselves, and it's been really helpful. And then underpinning our organization, because trust is really important in the teams you work in. We all work wonderfully when the project's going great, but when hard times come, you've got to work as a team. So we created a series of operating principles. There are some that are a given for any organization, good communication, strong integrity, accountability. But what was more important for us was what did we do to empower our teams? So empowerment, initiative, teamwork are actually celebrated in our organization. The reason we think the operating principles help us when you're at a client site, sometimes what they've asked and what they quote unquote want isn't always what they need. So we have empowered our teams to be able to take initiative and come back to the client and say, we think it would be better done this way. They're not going to get dinged from head office because they've gone slightly off script. And then to bake it in, and I think this was a key change that we made, is we use those 12 operating principles inside of our annual reviews. So we're actually aligning the structure of how we deliver the work and then how we evaluate your delivery of the work under one guiding set of principles. And I think it's allowed people to feel confident that they can look at something they're being asked to do. And like you said, trust that they're moving in the right direction. Those are some great answers. I really like the idea of having a mentor program. I've always been a big yeah. fan of that. And I love hearing how you have implemented it. And I love how you talked about it's not always age-based. It may be no. experience. It may be that they're comfortable in this area or this area. I think that's a great way for any organization to think carefully, especially as they get larger. And it may be more and more difficult for a team leader or a CEO, as, as, as in your case, to always be one-on-one -on -one with each employee. You've got to find a way to, to delegate that out. So great ideas, great thoughts. And that leads very well into our next question. Is there a maybe a failure? You kind of talked about that just a little bit. Is there a failure that you turned into a win that you can share a story about? Um, so my personal failure that I like to share with business owners, um, and I think it's something that I take my own responsibility for where the failure was on my own side. We had significant growth several years ago and weren't paying close enough attention to how much of our source of revenue was coming from one particular area. So we had to make some significant adjustments. In making those significant adjustments, it became apparent that our line of credit wasn't sufficient. Um, I take ownership for the fact that for a long time, um, 
We sometimes used our personal finances to help the business over cash flow issues and things like that. So that recognition of how close you can come to almost losing everything really made me reevaluate the old adage that um, I was told um, in a business forum environment that consider your business like you consider your home. I think, and I think this is a good um, analogy when you're selling your house you sometimes go all out, you declutter it, you paint it, you clean it, it's good to go. And then you're like, well, why am I moving? This is beautiful. (laughs) Your business, if somebody came in tomorrow and bought your business, they could probably make more money from it than you are making from it, because you're running it not as a strategic aligned business in all cases, particularly as if you're the sole owner, my husband and I can make all the decisions, which sometimes means we can be allowed to pursue passion projects, not profit projects. So I think it really has been creating a business mindset that this business is generating and self-sufficient and generating its own income. And that that has made a significant difference for me in how I look at all of the numbers yeah, well, that's great. I love that. Yeah, that kind of that profit first mentality. That's critical because you're right. Yeah. I love how you described it. We all do it, whether it's in life or in business, but it, we're talking about business. So let's talk about business. We find those uh, little shiny objects that we call passion projects that we would really like the idea. But when you start to run the numbers, you realize, eh, see, they're not going to be very profitable at all, if profitable, yeah. but it's not as profitable as other things. And so you have to make some hard decisions about, well, is this going to exist within the current company structure or do we need to spin it out to do something completely different or do you just put it on the back burner for a future time? But, uh, but great example. Of, and thank you for sharing that. I know that's always a little bit tough for some people to share the failures a little bit, but I appreciate you sharing that. Well, Audrey, our last question, tell us a little bit about your first job. <laughs> so my first job's interesting. I was 18 years old. I'd never had any part-time job. Um, I'd been told to focus on my education, but at 18, I had announced to my parents that I wanted to take a gap year, which was much more common even back in my day in England. And I know they're more common here now. I was fortunate through my high school, I'd been connected to an insurance company and they'd offered me a position. So I went to an insurance company and basically was put in a boot camp to learn programming languages. That's where my IT career was founded. I was working throughout that period of time with fellow graduates. There was another IT shortage. They happen periodically. We read about them all the time. And I happened to land in one of those gaps. So they were looking to attract talent. So they taught me everything I needed to know. In reality, I've never actually gone to university. So I think that's a very different career track to most people, especially a lot of CEOs. Um, But for me personally, in analyzing it for this question, I think it gave me a confidence to try something different quite quickly. I'm good at pivoting. Um, I think that's how I ended up in the United States. I'd had that experience of working in England. IT is a career you can travel with. Travel seemed a great idea. So I was willing to take that risk and move to the United States. Once here, being able to have some more flexibility in my life led me to want to start my own business in the United States. I had had a small business in the UK for a few years, but really to start a business here was very different. And I think I've learned to live in risk, which I think any business owner watching this podcast, you have to be comfortable in risk. 
if you want to know what tomorrow is going to look like, you need a career, not a business. And I think my willingness to live in risk and reward and try something new is what I got from that willingness to just leap at 18 into something different. Oh, I love that answer. I love that answer. because, <laughs> And I love how you said we have to learn to live in risk. And I think you taking that gap year, as you called it, helped you to see some opportunities there and not be as worried about having to go to the university and getting a degree and all of that. But hey, there's another career path that will work for me. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. Great. Well, yeah. Audrey, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. How can people find you? Um, you can join us at netlogics.com or I'm on LinkedIn, Audrey Taylor. And I'm also on Twitter and Instagram. So you'll find me at NetLogics in both of those instances. So we'd love to connect. If you connect to me through this podcast, do remind me that Sean and I connected you to me, and then I'd be happy to follow up individually. Fantastic. This is Sean Richards with the Team Engagement Podcast, where leaders of teams share their insights. For more information, we encourage you to go to teamengagementpodcast.com. We also invite you to follow or subscribe to the podcast, whether you're viewing it or listening to it, either way. And again, we always remind and encourage everyone to have the humility to learn and then the courage to act on what you've learned. Thanks so much for joining us today. Have a great day.